This is the Champions Coffee Podcast on the Vigo Podcast Network. On this show, we take 20 minutes to celebrate the champions behind higher education student support and experience. These are the individuals who are pushing the boundaries and changing student lives on a daily basis, and we get to hear their stories and their visions for the sector. Hello world and welcome to the Champions Coffee Podcast where every week we have coffee with an education professional who is out there on the front lines championing students to be all that they can be. I am your host Ben Hallett and I am the co-founder and CEO of Vigo. For those of you who don't know us, Vigo is a learner support platform that helps educators connect their students to their mentors, tutors, advisors, counselors and all these different champions in between. At Vigo, we really believe in celebrating the professionals who make all of these different services and experiences tick, which is why that we do this podcast. So today, I'm very excited. We are in Birmingham uh, in the UK, and I'm being joined by Alice Wilby, Pro Vice-Chancellor of the University College of Birmingham. Welcome, Alice. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Uh, no worries at all. And, and a bit of background on Alice. So Alice joined the university in February 2020, right in time for a pandemic. Um, having previously worked at the University of Oxford, Oxford Brookes University, and the University of Wolverhampton. Her past roles cover um, access and participation, student recruitment, and institutional partnerships. Uh, now, she is very motivated by an interest in social mobility, and her past experiences have helped to encourage less traditional students to apply for higher education. Uh, and now as her role in the, as PVC uh, of access, participation, and student experience, she focuses on ensuring that universities attract students from a wide range of backgrounds and supports them during their studies. Whew, that was a big one. <laughs> Alice, well, thank you so much for being here today. I really appreciate it. Uh, I'd love to start off the conversation with, you know, what are the life experiences that motivated you to enter into the education? Or what motivates you to stay? Oh, well, I've spent my whole career in higher education. So part of the answer to what motivates me to stay is that it's quite hard to imagine anything else. <laughs> um, but I, um, I ended up working in HE largely by accident. I was a very non-traditional HE student at Oxford University. Mm-hmm. Um, so I went there um, from a very ordinary background and a very ordinary school um, in Yorkshire, um, much to everyone's surprise, including my own, um, and um, had a fascinating experience, I think it's fair to say. Not a wholly positive one, although overall, now with the benefit of hindsight, I would say that it was a good experience, but it was certainly a challenge. Um, and as whilst I was a student, I got involved in the student union um, and to some extent in student politics, and got involved in trying to change the university for the better. Mm-hmm. Decided that without having a better idea of what I wanted to do with my career, that once I graduated, I'd like to stay there and try and change the university and make it more accessible to people from non-traditional backgrounds. Um, so um, I did various admin temping jobs for a little bit and then ended up working as a school's liaison officer and an outreach officer for various parts of Oxford University. So I did lots of school visits and school talks and ran open days and summer schools and all sorts of things and a very big access program towards the end of my time at Oxford um, and tried to do something about to change the types of students who went mm. to the university. Mm. So that's where it started. Awesome. And that still motivates you today? 
It does. I suppose my motivations evolved over that time. So initially I was very focused on Oxford because that was what I knew. And I was very focused on um, getting students in. Um, And as my careers moved, I've become more interested in education more broadly and still HE focused, though not exclusively. Um, but I'm also much more interested in what happens to the students once we've got them yeah. um, and how that intersects with ideas about student belonging and about student identity. Mm-hmm. This is, um, it's been really interesting. The, uh, it's now our second guest and uh, who has come from a background of the Students' Union. Um, and it's two for two. So the very last guest, uh, Chris Shelley, uh, Director of Student uh, and Academic Services at University of Greenwich, mm-hmm. also came from Student Unions um, and had that that passion of actually fighting for students from that realm and then bringing that in. That's something we haven't had across our other uh, 30 guests yet. So two for two. Interesting. There's a, there are quite a lot of us who've worked. So yeah. I was I never had a paid job in a student union, but I did a lot of volunteering. Yeah, right. um, and yeah, they um, there are quite a few people in the sector who did that. Yeah, right. Okay. Well, can you tell us um, you know, a little bit more about how do you think about student experience and success in your current role um, at the uh, University College Birmingham? So we, so my role is oversight of lots of those areas, but fundamentally, this is everyone at the university's job. Yeah, yeah, the point is the yeah. point of the institution is to um, make sure that our students can succeed at what they want to do, um, and to give them the tools to do that. And so, my focus is on making sure that that's true for all students. Um, and particularly making sure that our most disadvantaged students who are perhaps less likely to complete their degree or go on to um, graduate careers um, get given enough support that that can happen for them as well. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's that's a big part of what I do um, is overseeing all of the different teams that, that make that happen. Yeah, and, and what is like, you know, to, for the audience, you know, how would you classify the demographic of UCB? Like what, you know, what, is, what does the population look like? So we have one of the most diverse populations of students in UKHE. um, Mm -hmm. And we also, very unusually, so we're a university and we have degree awarding powers and university title, but our name is University College deliberately, though it doesn't have to be, because we also have an FE college incorporated into us. So we have 2,000 further education students who start Mm -hmm. with us from the age of 16, though not always, some of them are mature. Mm And we have about 5,000 higher education students. Um, and we have apprentices too, who go right across the full range from FE to HE. Um, and we, um, our stu- in terms of our student makeup, we have um, about half of our students are mature, our HE students, which means over 21 when they start with us. Um, about half are from black or Asian or minority ethnic backgrounds. Um, and of our UK-based students, um, the vast majority, over 80%, are from the most deprived postcodes in the UK. Mm. Um, and most of them are from Birmingham or the West Midlands, they're not exclusively. Yeah. Um, so we have a very, relatively speaking, a very disadvantaged population. We also have a very, very high proportion of our students who don't come in via traditional routes into HE. Mm. So the majority of our students didn't do A-levels. Mm. Um, they come in with vocational level three qualifications or with an access course. Um, or with a variety of experiences beforehand. Um, so we're taking students who haven't had that kind of traditional academic path. Okay, awesome. And, and I guess uh, you know, when you think about the work you've been doing you know, here, but also maybe anywhere in your career, like, can you tell us about a student success story that you or the team you're working with were particularly proud to be involved in? 
Oh, there are lots. Mm. I think some of the ones that I knew best and were most directly involved with, um, there are people who um, I'm not going to name and embarrass, but who I, and and it makes me feel ancient, when I worked at Oxford University, because I had much more direct one-to-one contact with students than I did in most of the rest of my career, although now I do again, um, I... um, I helped um, encourage and administer the admissions process for quite a few people um, from very non-traditional backgrounds, some of whom have gone on to be people I'm still friends with or people I still see um, around the town. Sometimes I think they don't know who I am, but I I see them, so I still live in the city. So I see them around the city every now and then. Um, so, so there are some fantastic stories. We just going for a UCB story. We have a student um, at the moment who um, I have had conversations with ever since I joined the university two and a half years ago, um, who was really struggling to work out why her academic path wasn't going quite as she was hoping it would go. Um, And I gave her various support and signposting and the team did lots of work with her. Um, She has done really well. She's just finished her final degree. The official results aren't out yet, so I don't want to reveal her result before she knows it. Um, But she's done very well um, (laughs) and will be pleased, I think, with the result and is going on to study for a master's. Oh, wow. Yeah. I um, I love asking this question because you see the the, the senior executive go back and you can see it in the face the moment they find the story. It's like, you know, smile comes, cheeks get a little bit redder. Like, I, um, I love seeing us you know, connect back in with that real human, the human outcomes of our work. I know um, I struggle with it, but I, I know everyone I talk to uh, you know, at that senior executive layer, the bigger things get, the less humans we get to interact with day to day and less we get to see that, the real raw face of the humans um, behind it that have their lives changed. And it's, um, it's important to keep that, Mm. Um, and and that's one of the reasons I like UCB that actually compared to some of the places I worked in the last few years of my most recent few years of my career at UCB we're much more because we're quite small we're much more hands-on and so I do actually spend more time meeting individual students and speaking to them than you might in a comparable job in a bigger university Mm. yeah and that energy is um it's uh, it's better than coffee, <laughs> although we should have coffee being delivered to us any moment by uh, the Vigo team. Yeah, see, we've tasked the guys to get um, here and back um, with coffee within the podcast parameters. We're halfway through, gentlemen. <laughs> um, but moving on to the next question, you know, over the next five years, where do you see um, the student experience or service space at UCB going? I think at UCB. It may not go in the same direction as the bulk of the sector because of what we are. So I think we will remain a largely, though not exclusively, on-campus institution. Mm -hmm. That is, we're a very vocational, very hands-on place. We do lots of practical teaching. Mm -hmm. It doesn't mean that online support won't be relevant to that because we do yeah. we do use it already and i can imagine it growing um but in the oh, way that we do guys, it, it the <laughs> coffee. coffee thank you, thank so you. that's the biggest coffee i've ever <laughs> that's seen that's huge <laughs> Thanks, <guys>. thank you <laughs> so yeah so yeah. in the way that we do student support i think it will evolve but i think probably the biggest thing for us will be how it gets increasingly personalized yeah um, so it's less about the platform and the mechanism that we use and much yeah. more about the individualized nature of it and yeah. trying to use data to preempt 
what students might need. Yeah. And there's always a, a challenge there with how much data you want to use and how comfortable we and students are with doing that. But I think that will probably be the big change, not just here, but we are relatively far ahead in in UK HE terms in terms of how much we use learner analytics and data mm. to predict student behaviour. And, and I can see that that will continue. Yeah, no, definitely. I love that. Um, that's very close to my heart. Data is is the key. It's not the outcome, but it's without data, it's the fundamental bricks of um, good modern um, support services. I, I totally agree. Okay, so moving into, as I mentioned before, the more um, controversial questions of the podcast. Uh, you know, what's a common misconception that you hear within the student experience space? Well, I would say the one that not so much at this institution, but at other institutions, the one I hear probably most often is a generalisation about what students want. Yeah. There's a lot that you hear at the moment in the press um, or sometimes from within the sector mm. where sentences be- begin with students need yeah. or students should. <laughs> um, and I even feel fairly disappointed when I hear the phrases universities must or universities yeah. should. And I think... Again, we're, there's occasions where that might be the case, but we're generalising. Um, mm. I think we, we need to stop treating students as though they're all the same. Yeah. And in many cases, we don't. And I think when we deal with students individually, we know very well that they're not. Mm. But in policy terms, we still have quite a strong yeah. instinct for, for assuming everyone's the same. And actually, the um, pre- president of the Guild of Students here, which is our student union, wrote a blog for Wonky a couple of weeks ago um, about the fact that a lot of students at UCB are students second. So their identity is not, their primary identity is not as a student, it's as a parent or as a person who works and so on. Um, And so that changes the nature of their relationship with the institution. And it's something rather that I think we're starting to get our heads around the idea of rather than battling with that and trying to fit our students into the traditional HE box that lots of universities no longer really offer um yeah. it's about saying actually this is how we can make university work for you yeah whilst not being entirely flexible we're not a completely flexible provider as some are because we see the value in cohort identity for instance and things mm-hmm. like that but we do want to increase the flexibility of what we offer um, and relatively speaking we do do that yeah. um, and also make sure that our services are accessible to students where they need them mm-hmm. okay Plug for one KT there uh, article on student identity. I'm going to be um, no, I'm going to be checking that article out for sure. Um, all right, so I'm just clocking time. We have got five minutes left. This is perfect. So uh, I'm going to give you three minutes for this one uh, if you need it. Um, who is someone who inspires you in the education space and why? Gosh, I find these kinds of questions really hard. <laughs> Um, not because nobody inspires me, but because if I were on the receiving end of someone saying this about me, it would make me want to cringe and fall into a hole. Um, so I'm always very reluctant to do it to someone else. I think there are lots and lots of people who do really incredible work um, in the sector. And I think I think the people whose I'm going to generalise and not give you a specific name, but I think that the people whose work I most admire are either academics whose work has 
genuinely useful practical application and who are willing to work with university leadership to make it happen. Mm -hmm. um, so my academic background is sociology and education mm -hmm. and I'm really, I really love theoretical sociology and I'm happy to read all of that stuff. But the thing that I get excited about is when somebody who's done some really, really good, rigorous academic research takes the time to explain it in a way that I can use yeah. with my team or with staff here without needing to go through a translation exercise, yeah, yeah, um, yeah, which yeah. so often has to happen. Um, and that's true in lots of other fields as well. Um, yeah. But obviously sociology is mine. Um, I think, and, and the other, I mean, in terms of people who inspire me, the other ones are our students, which I realise yeah. is a slightly cheesy answer, but actually when you meet students who've really transformed their lives in order to simply get into mm. higher education mm. with a real passion for what they do and a real sense of where they're going with it, I think there's something incredibly impressive about that. And that a lot of our students, though they may not have come a traditional route into it, actually that means that they're much more focused and much more sure that this is the path for them yeah. because they've had to make a really active choice to make it happen. Mm. I love that. All right. Um, and uh, with your background, i got to ask, did you pick up on the Vigo name where it maybe came from? I didn't. Now I'm going to be embarrassed, aren't I? Why did it come no, from? No, 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 no. It's, it's, it's not. I don't think it's on our website or if it is, it's very, it's like... 10 pages deep um, but not many people do pick up but sometimes educational um, people who study education or um, psychology get it sometimes uh, Lev Vygotsky uh, yeah yeah we um, it wasn't that's very niche yeah it's very niche we were uh, we were in a we we're in a pub um, pitching the our dream for uh, Vigo it was called I think something like uqengetutor.com or something at that point but we we're pitching it to our friends and uh, one of them said, hey, this sounds like this guy led by Gotsky. My, uh, my girlfriend's um, doing a big paper on him at the moment. You should check it out. And we checked it out. We're like, oh, man, we agree with a lot of this stuff. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, just wanted to check. Okay, excellent. Final two minutes. We're on track. Um, final question. What advice or encouragement would you give to a student about to begin their journey uh, at UCB? Um, the main piece of advice I'd give all students wherever they're going to start is to make sure that they take advantage of the opportunities available to them mm -hmm. and I think that's always easier said than done mm -hmm. so it's also about making sure that they listen and engage with what's in front of them yeah because I think if you do that whether you do or don't actually take part in activities as long as when you're there you're actually paying attention and you're in the room yeah that's when you get the most out of your education yeah. it's for individual students to decide which parts they want to spend time on and not spend time on but making sure that when they do put that time in that it's meaningful genuine time yeah. is what I think other than all the obvious things that we know about, I think it's probably the thing that makes the biggest difference in success for students is actually being engaged in a meaningful way with what's in front of them. Mm. Awesome. All right. Well, oh, perfectly on time. Uh, so I'm gonna, we're going to cut this off here, Alice, but thank you so much for um, being part of this and having coffee and, and, um, and sharing your, your stories, your advice, your visions uh, in the sector. Uh, so thank you so much. We, um, for everyone listening, this has been another episode of the Champions Coffee podcast. Uh, if you would like to stay up to, up to date on uh, future episodes or past episodes, you can go to either the Vigo LinkedIn page or go to your favorite podcast platform and hit follow. Uh, and that's it for today. Thank you so much, Alice. Thank you. Cheers.